it was really just um, crazy because they called all of us to the to the altar. And yeah. I was like, this life is short. Yeah. So this is your time to decide not only that you want to live on purpose, but that you want to live for God. Mm-hmm. So all of us were in tears. And that was the day I really decided like, oh, I can do whatever I want with my life. So I'm going to stop acting like I don't know how to live. I'm going to stop acting like my parents didn't work hard so I can take advantage of the opportunities in front of me. And I'm going to start putting pen to paper every idea I have. I want to make it happen. I want a vision for myself and I'm going after that vision because I could be killed tomorrow. That's Gia, on-air talent and journalist, talking about how the death of her friend really had a strong impact on her going after her dreams full speed. Although she's DMV-raised and I'm Boston born and bred, we both actually know the friend she's referring to. Definitely a first for me while interviewing, but also a gentle reminder of just how small the world really is. Gia is the person you want to win, hustling all the while with a smile on her face. From doing eight internships and still not initially landing a job right out of college, to working on camera and behind the scenes with BET, the NBA, Essence Magazine, Billboard, Hot 97, and more, Gia knows the true meaning of work while you wait. If you listened to the last episode of First Year Project, you already know how hard change and transitions can be. But what happens when the transition is expected, you've prepared for it, and it's still hard as hell. For visuals and full episodes, check out firstyearproject.com or our social media accounts at firstyearprj. Once again, firstyearprj. So, Gia Peppers, I'm so happy to have you here today for several reasons, but... I've been personally following your work. So when you, you know, said that you were also excited about being on First Year Project 2, it was really, really dope. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. In our cozy little... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So first and foremost, uh, what do you do and why do you do it? Oh, yes, a why. Okay, so what I do is I'm a freelance entertainment journalist and on-air talent for now. Hopefully that'll change very soon because I'm trying to get a real job, like a real full-time job. Um, freelancing has been great for me. Um, I started doing it years ago, um, uh, interning years ago in radio and television, and then ultimately digital stuff came to be like the bread and butter of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of hosting, a lot of on-air talents. I, I freelance with several like major brands like BT and Essence and Hot 97. I work with the NBA in Washington, D.C. Uh, I just started doing some work with E! News. So it's like it's a growing like Rolodex of things, but I'd be happy when somebody <laughs> give me a full time contract. Um, but I believe that God gives uh, people talents that um, that are unique to who they are. And um, when I was growing up, I always used to have like talk shows with my Barbies and I would do things like have bears and perform in front of them. So from the time I was little, I always liked to just telling people stories um, and bringing light to situations. So for me, I do it because it was something that was natural for me. I'm like, I'm a a performer by trade, by like growing up, my mom had us in everything. So I love, love, love um, just being on stage and performing and kind of sharing the gifts that God gave me. And so this is one of the gifts that God gave me. So I'm like, hey fam, you want me to do this? (laughs) 
I pray on it. He brings me the opportunities. God is my agent. So I do it because I don't believe I'm supposed to go to the grave with my gifts being a private thing. Like your gifts, if you have them, you're supposed to share them with the world. So I do it because I want to share with the world. Very dope. Now, you mentioned a little bit about kind of like your a little bit of your inspiration for getting into the field. Mm -hmm. Uh, But how exactly did you get into entertainment journalism? And on top of that, like what was your first year like kind of like getting into it? Uh, My original inspiration was my dad's a journalist. He works. He's been in hard news for like 20 over 25 years now. So he's I grew up in the newsroom watching him. And um, but I realized I didn't want to do hard news when September 11th came. What exactly is hard news? for those who hard know. news is like you don't care about entertainment you care about world news you care about what's happening in, oh, overseas you care okay. about the election is a major of course topic but now that's kind of entertainment <laughs> but that, when my dad though? started 20 years ago <laughs> entertainment news was not a thing like like you mm-hmm. had like entertainment tonight for that you didn't talk about it on your regular broadcast news at all like to talk about celebrities was almost taboo and like only if someone died would that be in a regular newscast. Wow. On like a CBS radio news or like something where they're like, we're news, you're hard news, welcome back, Dan Rather here. Like, you, like we're hard news, local news. So my dad had been working in uh, at NPR for years and now he's at the Associated Press. Okay. So when I say hard news, I mean like international news, what's happening with the, the you know, em- embassy over in Africa. Like they're talking about what's really going on with things that could affect us as Americans. Americans. I knew I didn't want to do that when my dad couldn't come home for a week after the, they bombed the Pentagon. Yeah. And of course, the World Trade Center was done. So I was like, oh, no, nah, no thanks. I will just stick to entertainment where things are just a little bit like we really don't nothing that happens in entertainment will really affect your life um and so i was like oh entertainment's fine plus i have an entertainment background so i actually do when i watch films i actually do care how the actors act Mm -hmm. when i hear people sing i actually do care if they hit the right note um so it's hard for me to like a lot of stuff but still (laughs) um you know so that's when i came into that but my first year out of college was an absolute mess like there is no other way to say it like when you graduate from college it's literally just sink or swim they give you your bird's nest and they're like all right you've been here for four years fly and if yeah. you you're eventually you'll get a, a moment uh momentum to grow your own wings but you you just fall you just fall for the first few months it's just what it is um so i started falling first and um i was at home in my couch on maryland i went to Rutgers university uh my mom doesn't play like she's like She's not Jamaican, but she should should be. I she was just about to ask thousand because jobs. I'm Jamaican. Yes. My mother is Jamaican. Yeah. Yes. That, so that is a definite characteristic. She should be Jamaican because <laughs> um, we used to go to Jamaica every year um, when when before college. Mm-hmm. And some stuff had kicked in. So um, <laughs> we grew up like very hardworking. And so when I couldn't find a job, I had had literally eight internships during college. I, I'm sorry. Pause yes, I did say eight. 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 Okay. So from the time I my freshman year that summer I started interning so Mm -hmm. I was like oh my dad told me about the importance of internships he was like the best thing you can do here is like forget grad school if you're going to be a journalist it's more about what you learn in the newsroom who you know and then how you maneuver with those relationships than it is about you learning how where everything works because in grad school they might not be able to teach you what digital media is better than you can learn it from someone who's been doing it for a few years. Exactly. Like, now they can teach you. But when it was like the cutting edge, like things were just happening mm-hmm. and popping off in when I graduated in 2012, and he was like, no, go get experience. So um, I started, my mom dragged me up to New York to stay with my aunt, my 80. 80- 
at that time, 84 year old aunt who had no AC, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. She was like, you getting off my couch. You've been here for six weeks. I don't know what you think this is. No. So um, I had interned for the Donnie Simpson show in D.C. I had interned for Big Tigger, Free and Danella in D.C. Then I did um, Wendy Williams show for two seasons and mm-hmm. I did Live with Kelly and Michael. I would do little one offs in between with like my ween people, which is the Women in Entertainment Empowerment Network. They have a lot of great initiatives that they have. They also have a lot of great women that work there that they're like, hey, you can work with me for a few months. Like, you know, so I did different internships within then. So I thought that I was going to be set. I was like, everybody going to be knocking down my door. Everybody obviously wants to work with me. Yeah. No, absolutely I feel, not. So I feel as if I did not do eight internships. Yes. <laughs> I will be Most very people don't. It's no. not even, and it's, and even when I got to finally talk to Wendy Williams, she was like, why did you, why did you do so many internships? Like, what are you doing? Like, why, why do you have so? You have a great Wendy voice. So I was like, um, because it's not like back in the day where you just go. I, I was like, I honestly just wanted to know really if I wanted to do on air. That I wanted sense. to try everything. Like mm-hmm. I was like, all right, first I'm gonna try production. Mm, it's cool. Then I'm gonna try on air. Then I'm gonna try radio. Then I'm gonna try TV. So that was my big thing. Um, and so those those were the those were the things where I was just like, I right, I don't really want to do this. So I worked in advertising. Um, for a year and this then, is when you were in New York after so when I got to New York I got a horrible job at um this horrible ad agency that I don't even remember it was like something like you know you just apply to all the indeeds and everything you just send your resume mm-hmm. somebody called me and they're like hey we'll pay you this month maybe like 15 an hour just come in it's in the city I worked there for literally three weeks and every day I felt like I was gonna cry I was like this is not life like I was literally using up and down arrows and side to side arrows to like what type of work was it it was like some type of ad company where in print where people would mention their the com- the clients that they had okay. the entry level job for us was to basically scan <laughs> all of the mentions and put them in files so that they can show like their clients or their you know, mm-hmm. whatever, all the work and all the magazines every single month when they got. So obviously, I don't know what the company did over the, like, obviously they were ad company. Our job was entry level, just be a monkey and just up, down, scan, up, down, scan. It's horrible. I hated it. So we did that. It was fine. Uh, I did that for three weeks, but the, the summer right before I got there, I did the National Association of Black Journalists in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So I did the career fair. I did the whole thing. I love NABJ. I definitely tell anybody who's a journalist who it's wants a dope to, conference. Yeah, like to get into it, to be there. If you don't have a job, especially have your resume printed out, get business business cards, and go network. So um, I met this amazing lady from CBS News who was like, "Hey, I don't have a job for you right now, but I like you, kid. So I'm gonna keep you on deck." So she really did. And like literally three weeks after when I hate the job and every day I was like, mom, I'm going back to New York. I'm going back to Maryland. I don't care. New York is not for me. She called me. She was like, hey, there's a job opening um, for you to be a radio news desk associate at CBS Radio News. The hours are going to suck. You're going to hate it for a little bit. But if you want to do it, if you want the chance, take it. I was like, OK, yes, whatever you say. Little did I know it was hard. I, I should have taken my first brain because I do not like hard. There's nothing about hard news that makes me want to work in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I might have to one day, but I pray to God I don't. I really don't think I will. So then um, working six months, I worked there for six months. And on my first day, um, we covered the Sandusky trial and the James Holmes shooting trial. And I should have known then that it was going to be way too much for my sensitive self to stomach. 
all the bad it's stuff a that lot. happens in the world. Yeah. And we get everything first. We get everything. We decide from the footage that we get from all the different news organizations over the world what to show in America. So like, you know, it's we're getting shootings and killings. And first off, the, we get every single murder in every single state and city. It's a lot to handle. Um, so I was just like, I mean, I'm just... Um, I'm just going to do it. Like, we're going to see. So I worked (laughs) 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. overnights in the newsroom, um, helping on the desk, on the desk. So Mm -hmm. on the desk means you cover all breaking news. You help getting all the news for the newscast. You're helping the the producers and the on-air talent there to get everything done. And then you're also doing things like Twitter was just making its way to, like, being a news source. So we had to check tweets. We had to tweet the breaking news stories at the top of the hour. We had to explain people what Twitter was. Isn't it crazy that at one time, like, not so long ago, like, you had to explain to people into businesses like what Twitter yes, was and yeah. why, why you important. needed one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what our job was as the young people who <laughs> were just out of college and fresh faces. <sighs> so, um, the one thing, the last straw for me was one of my kill my my best friends from college, my great friends from college was killed um, in a drive by shooting in Boston, actually. Oh wow! Um, and so she was killed, and her story came over the newswire and I had just found out earlier that day and I was driving to work and I almost crashed my car because I was on a bridge um and my friends called me and I'm like it's not true right like she's okay and they're like no she's she's dead did you find out earlier or did you I find out, out via earlier the n- yeah via the news no I found out via my friends got one it, of my friends it, who's it. also from the same area was mm-hmm. like hey isn't this your friend I'm like, that's crazy. Someone had posted on Instagram, rip to KK. Her name's Kristen, but they called her KK. And I'm like, nah, fam. Wow. No, I I think I may know who you're talking about. Actually, Larity. I think so. Yeah. 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 So she was, you know, she was killed Mm -hmm. with like two or three other girls in a car. Mm -hmm. Um, That was one of my really great friends from St. John's University. I went to Rutgers. Yeah. So that moment was a lot for me. It like transformed everything for me. Um, her dad is an amazing preacher in Boston. So he brought all of the preachers of Boston all together at yeah. the funeral. She impacted so many people and she was just here for 22 years. Mm-hmm. And so there were all these kids from a youth church, all these amazing people from our college. There was pictures of us. They had an open casket. It was really just uh, crazy because they called all of us to the to the altar. And yeah. I was like, this life is short. Yeah. So this is your time to decide not only that you want to live on purpose, but that you want to live for God. Mm-hmm. So all of us were in tears. And that was the day I really decided like, oh, I can do whatever I want with my life. So I'm going to stop acting like I don't know how to live. I'm going to stop acting like my parents didn't work hard so I can take advantage of the opportunities in front of me. And I'm going to start putting pen to paper every idea I have. I want to make it happen. I want a vision for myself. And I'm going after that vision because I could be killed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And God forbid, this was before police shootings were a big thing. Mm-hmm. So God forbid um, I'm killed and I don't have this type of impact. Um, So yeah, that was a life changing moment for me. And the last straw was the Sandy Hook shooting. That was when I was like, I'm just going to go freelance. Sorry, I'm just going to go freelance. I'm just going to go to advertising for a year. So I started working at this company called KBS, stacked my money a little bit, and then also started freelancing for Vibe, Vibe Vixen, uh, Juicy Magazine when it was in publication, um, Karen Civil, and all these different brands. Mm -hmm. It was, that was when, that was my first year. My first year was um, hard, but it was also one of those things where when I worked 1 a.m. to 9 and I was eating ramen noodles because I made nothing and I was living with my aunt um, in the hot, hot, hot summer. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm a bougie girl from 
Prince George's <laughs> County, Maryland. Like, Merlin. ain't no, you know, like, no. Also, eight, like, New York City without AC is anywhere, no matter, like, what economic demographic is It was like a oppressive. Spike Lee movie. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. um... But it wasn't cute. Like, we weren't nope. on set. Like, I couldn't Mm-mm. go back. Like, I would stay at work extra so I could, like, just get the AC. Get the AC. Yes. But eventually I got used to it because I was like, I mean, I ain't going to die. I got TV here. <laughs> like, I'm just going to have my three fans on me. Like, you know, three whatever. fans. So <laughs> I had three my fans. eyes. Different water. angles. So, but I learned so much. That was when um, I'm a very spiritual person. So I'm going to use God a lot. That's who, where, how I get through anything. Um, mm mm-hmm. When God put me by myself without like a lot of friends, without my family, I learned how to create my, how to stand on my own two feet. Um, and so I would watch Super Soul Sunday with Oprah and I learned so much about what it means to have the mindset to go after your dreams. Cause a lot of people don't understand it's a certain mindset that it takes. It's a certain perseverance and a cer- certain faith that it takes to go after what you want. Absolutely. So even in the midst of you thinking that everything sucks and that you're, you have no way out and you don't understand why all your friends are getting jobs and you're not and you looking on Facebook and people getting cars and you can't even afford to get a bus ticket. Like there's a bigger plan in motion and you just kind of have to enjoy it and kind of have to learn and like take the signs of the universe or whatever you believe in from God move forward the first year sucks like it sucks and it's it's kind of supposed to like yes like you have to yeah. learn like you can build your life mm-hmm. you learn then that everything is up to you you finally see like okay i'm not with my parents anymore or a lot of people are in their parents house mm-hmm. so but then you want to get out so it's about you planning it's about you taking that free time you have and not necessarily watching real housewives of atlanta <laughs> Watch something that's going to help you Mm -hmm. see inside what you actually want to do. Read great books. The Alchemist changed my life. I definitely tell people any any first book where you want to dream and you want to dream on purpose and then live on purpose. Read The Alchemist. It's almost like like a like a Frank Ocean album. Like kind of just get what you need Mm. to get from it. Like looking at a painting, looking at a Monet, and you're like. I see the trees are going left. <laughs> and you don't even know what it is. And then your friend's like, girl, ain't nothing up there. I see the birds. What are you looking at? But it doesn't matter because you get what you need to get out of it. So exactly. I think that's Paul, Paulo, Paulo Coelho, The Alchemist, my favorite book ever. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So now in thinking of like transitional moments or transitional years. So I'm so glad that, that you brought up the idea of like not everyone blooms at the same time, essentially. Yeah. You know, everyone has their time. They do. So what was a transitional moment in your career as an entertainment journalist and how did you navigate through it? Yeah, um, I, there are set, like one thing that people always tell me, my mentors is like, <laughs> this won't be the first time you're poor and this won't be the last. In entertainment, it you have money in waves. That's why you have to learn how to save it mm-hmm. um, or else you will just be broke when that time comes. Um, there are several transitionary periods in my career that I can um, recall off the top of my head. But the one that really stands out to me of of, of late uh, last year at this time, I I'm before this I ha- before this time last year I was working in this, as the associate editor of EssenceFest.com, um, which was a temporary position, but I loved it. Obviously, Essence is like life, and those yes. people are like amazing. Um, and I was working with the NBA. I was going back and forth from New York to DC to to host all the in in home inter- in home games for the Washington Wizards, and I was also working with Ebro Dodge and Hot Ninety Seven and overseeing Blame Ebro, his brand site, and all the stuff that they do with Hot 97's YouTube and all the digital components of that. So 
I had three jobs. I was always running. I was like, da, 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 gotta be here. I can't stay. Ah, girl, I taught you later. Girl, uh, uh. And um, after Essence Fest, they, of course, it was a, you know, just stay here from January to August type mm-hmm. position. So um, August came and the season was over. <laughs> so I have no income except for Ebro. And mm. I was like, wait, hold up. Yeah. Um, I don't got nowhere to be. Um, I don't got no job. I don't got no like real source of um, because I'm used to running. So I only had one moment to be play. I only need to be there in the morning. Mm -hmm. And Ebro doesn't require me to come see him every day because he knows that I want to ultimately do like hosting and things like that. But he um wants me to come and check in twice a week. So I would go two three times a week. But that time was also such a. Um, a time where I really had to realize like everything happens in waves and motions and there will be times when things are really, really great, but then there'll be times when they're really, really bad. So that's why you can't really celebrate too, too hard and thinking you're doing amazing things when things are great because when they're really bad, you think that you're failing and you're not doing anything when that's not the truth either. It's just life happens and ebbs and flows and you kind of have to, you kind of have to find your balance in both places. You have to be content with wherever you are. So Ebro would literally like, I would be like gone. I would just be gone and depressed for like two weeks and he'd be like, fam, where you at? And I'm like, I'm going to give up. Like, no one wants me and no one likes me. It's dumb. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, really, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no one wants to hire me. And he's like, first of all, it's been like two months. Chill out. <laughs> I got you. You Like, I got you. Um, Do this. Do that. There's opportunities here. So give me this. Da, 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 da. Don't give up because don't be dumb. So he had you working, essentially. He had me working, but also he gave me the food, like the 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 validation that I needed to mm-hmm. hear that you're still dope. It's yeah. just going to take some, it, people's fiscal years didn't start yet, fam. Give them a moment. It's going to take a little time. And of course he was right. Um, and then the opportunity to work with BET came and then Essence opened back up and then the NBA started again and then Ebro. And so like, there will never be a time when I didn't have $12 to eat. Ebro was like, Take the check. Don't be <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there will never be a day where I ever, ever, like, Eros the big brother that I pr- always prayed for and never really saw coming. Um, And so, but more like a dad, like a stepdad. Like, he's like, what you wearing that for? So it's like, you know, <laughs> it's, um, it's an amazing, amazing experience. So that time I felt lonely. I felt like no one cared. And this was this was after the great stuff I had done with Essence. This was after I had hosted my my first season with the NBA. So everyone's looking at me like, gee, you're doing great stuff. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, my life is horrible. You know what I'm saying? So it's tough. Yeah, to keep it on perspective. You always think that you're not doing enough. But you have to remember that you the work that you are putting in is going to get noticed. You just have to keep working, even in the times when it sucks. And even in the times when it's super great, keep your head down and work. And that's one of the things that Angie Martinez told me when I interviewed interviewed her for bc.com mm-hmm. earlier this year she was like you can't you cannot take when people you have these moments of a lot of congratulations and she was talking about when she left um hot to go to power and everyone was like yo you're so dope and then others were like yeah you a traitor like how you gonna leave hot after 20 years and she was like i had to learn that i couldn't take either too serious mm-hmm. like i couldn't take the congratulatory messages and be on cloud nine and i couldn't take the comments the trolling and the people who were like threatening me on Twitter and make that be the reason why I don't get out of bed. So that's when I learned like, all right, you just got to decide who you think you are before other people decide it for you. That's 
so that is a very important point and yeah. like a very crucial I think step to make in any career mm-hmm. in any industry how do you do that in a city like New York City where literally there's so many people hustling trying to do their thing which can be very motivating yeah. but in a sense it could also kind of create a divide because I don't at least w- when I first came here a year and some change ago um there's a certain vibe sometimes with certain types of people mm-hmm. and how they do their work that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily make it easy to create relationships where you can collaborate mm-hmm. or you can lean on them, right. whatever the case is. Um, and I haven't just seen that with myself. I've seen that with lots of different people. I'm from Boston, so I've always been, you know, back, back and, and forth, forth. Yeah, between yeah. here and New York. So how do you kind of make those types of connections? Yeah. And Do you know Sabrina? Shad? Shad? Sabrina, Sabrina. So, so I, I, I know multiple Sabrinas. I may know her. S a S a y b z on Twitter. S a y b z. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you. I was gonna say I, I, I think you. I almost hope I don't because if I do, and I'm like, no, like I don't know. Yeah, like she throws a lot of amazing parties. You probably know her. She's in the Rhode Island, Boston area. But really, wait, wait, wait. Does she work with Daytrill? I think day so. trill and like uh pe- like, she looks like like, like silent Kardashian, PVD. Kardashian a little bit her her like uh, she's her, her Twitter Abby she's like looking backwards or something yeah, I don't know, but she's gorgeous we're okay so maybe we're gonna, I do know her yeah I'm just gonna show you her later okay but um what was the question I'm so sorry <laughs> I'm horrible how do you how do how you do create you? <laughs> those types of connections with yeah. people where you do you know you have people in your corner yeah um yeah it's really not hard. For me, I was about to say because I'm a people person. <laughs> um, I like people. I like getting to know what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. I like looking them in their eyes. I like knowing your energy. Like I can read energy really well. Like when I walked in here, I knew you had a great energy. I God gave me the great gift Appreciate of discernment. It. Child, it's a good gift to pray <laughs> for. Pray for discernment because in the industry, you have to you have to be very open mm-hmm. to a lot. But you also have to keep trying when failures happen. And so um, the way that I was able to get a lot of great relationships was by proving myself working hard and being dope without any cosigns. Like mm. like when I when I was working at this um, startup company called NSTARS the year after I... Uh, after I st- stacked my money in advertising, yes. I got a job at a, as a senior reporter for this... I'm not sure if it's a really a website. It might be a front for um, some type of... Anyway. I think I watched one of the videos. Yeah, for InStars. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what it was, but all I knew was that they were an entertainment news site, allegedly, mm-hmm. and that they were looking <laughs> for someone to create like original content for their entertainment. Oh, wow. I was like, girl, I'll do that. I'll do that. What time? Let's do it. I'll do it. Like, whatever. I was just looking for the position and for the resume yep. statement to show that whatever. But they also didn't have anyone to create. They didn't have a YouTube and they they were an entertainment news site but didn't have any presence on any red carpets and this is New York City and there are premieres everywhere. So yeah. I started to use and leverage my relationships and kind of swindle onto carpets. Um, would ask my friends and then finally got a camera, con- convinced our editor to get us a camera. Um, and so, we started I, we started going out and making really dope stuff using the hashtags for all the premieres the celebrities really started to like it retweet it post it put pictures with me on their Instagram so he was like oh gee I see you doing things so it's about creating your own moment, momentum like at the end of the day people don't believe what you, what you can do by what you say so you have to show people mm-hmm. then once they see your work they're like yo who's that 
Yeah. Oh, that's that girl Gia. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Let me go look her up. Oh, I've been watching you. And that's how literally my relationship with Ebro started. Because I had interviewed him on a red carpet when he was doing that VH1 show with Hot 97 or This is Hot 97. Mm-hmm. So I was interviewing Mona. And um, Ebro comes over and he's like, oh, she got a nice little face. Mona, you should put her on TV. And I was like, Mona, <laughs> listen to the man, okay? <laughs> and so then he was like, hmm. So we would see each other at events. And he'd be like, yo, you should, me and you should meet up. And I'm like, for okay. I'm like, what? I don't know you. Okay, fine. <laughs> and so he took me to the Soho house um, to have a meeting. And this is my first time at the Soho house. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, what is happening? <laughs> and he was like, order whatever. And I was like, can I have a salad with salmon <laughs> and water? Like, I didn't. No, so yeah. then um now now I'll be like yeah let me get three meals up there. I don't do that I don't like playing with people um so I was um I got you know he was like yo I think you're dope I si- I've been seeing what you're doing on the red carpet yeah I've been seeing how hard you go uh, at your own dreams your own vision for yourself the fact that you believe in yourself a lot will get other people to believe in you if you mm-hmm. don't believe in yourself when you walk into a room and you're like hi um. I'm Alexis and I'm a journalist. <laughs> and they're like, where? And I don't I do things. Like if you don't come yeah. with your back straight and your eyes ready for convincing someone that sh- and your attitude ready mm-hmm. to learn, to grow and to be better, um, no one's gonna believe in you. So I believed in myself from I believed I can do it for so many experiences, but mostly, you know, after KK died, I was like, no, nah, I could do anything. After the after I worked one a.m. to nine a.m. in the newsroom overnight, I was Literally. like, I can do, I can do anything, and yeah. I can tell no one can tell me I can't do it because I didn't think I was going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's how Ebro and I got down, um, and he was just like, "Yo, if you want to run the site, I'm going to give it to you. You can do whatever you want. It's a hot ninety seven site. We're the number one, like most iconic radio station mm-hmm. in hip hop. Just gonna, you want it? Cool. And I'm like. Okay. <laughs> and so we just made it work. And that was two years ago. And now the site's doing really well. And like we're getting interns. And I have interns who've got jobs at TV One. That's dope. I get, I get to give the people, people that I care about and people that I don't even know the opportunity to, to prove themselves. And it's hard to find opportunities, especially in entertainment. Mm-hmm. But if you can get yourself in the door and prove yourself, then you can do a lot of things. You just have to find your way in the door. And then I don't believe that any opportunity that comes for me comes my way isn't for me because I pray for God to bring me opportunities and the people that are for me and that's that hustle 101 man hustle 101 yeah like everything happened and I just don't don't burn bridges I don't burn bridges I don't believe in that but I also like genuinely like the people I work with Mm -hmm. and there are people I don't like like don't get it twisted (laughs) but most of the people are good people that I surround myself with so at the end of the day like I like these people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I know who not to trust and I know who to trust. And I know who to talk to about certain things. And I know who not to talk to. So at the end of the day, it's about keeping your head down and doing the work, but also looking up and being able to being able to be like, oh, I like, she's cool. Like, mm-hmm. Let's work together. All right. Last two questions. Man, I wish we had a little bit more time. Girl, we can come back. <laughs> we can do part one and part two. <laughs> so... First Year Project talks a lot about mistakes mm-hmm. and thinking of mistakes as like necessary for growth mm-hmm. um, in your craft. So what would you say is the biggest mistake you made your first year of freelancing? And how do you think it's like impacted uh, who you are today and like the work that you do today? Oh. 
but see, that's a weird learning lesson. Though. So when I first so it, worked at a, a one of the one of the publications that I worked at, um, there was a girl that I worked with closely who kind of sunned me, like was like, no, no, you can't what? come to these meetings. No, oh. there's no need for you to be around here. No, I got it. Did she hire you? No, but so, she was my direct report, like mm. the person I was supposed to work with. Um, and so I'd known her outside of the industry. And so she kind of sunned me. And I was like, is that very cool? But what I learned was when people don't recognize their own light, they cannot recognize yours either. And they definitely can't support it. And they definitely can't promote it. Um, so while I absolutely hated working with her because there were so many opportunities that I felt I should have been a part of um, for the projects we were working on, I learned how to maneuver out from under her and was like, cool, you're not going to give me this opportunity right here, but over there it's an opportunity and they like me over there. Yeah. So I'm going to work over there. And it ended up working for me in my favor. And um, so my biggest mistakes have always been time management. It's, I mean, you work 17 jobs. Time management is bad. How do you eat? How do you have friends? You don't have to touch every job every day. Like, I don't think people understand that. Like, there are people around you that can support you and you and then, you know, there are certain ways and hours you can maneuver it. Mm -hmm. One of my friends, um, Nikki McGloster, who who was at Vibe for a long time and is now doing a lot of great things with her sweat, which is her um, female driven. Yes, Um, I I think I follow that, too. Yeah, they're so dope with Adele. Yeah, she's from Billboard and and she was amazing person. So both of those girls have been really great in my life. But Nikki has always she's the first person to ever give me a chance to write for Vibe. And so she was like. Hey, uh, she had been running Karen Civil for a long time and running Vibe and running Hyper. She's been doing it all. And I was like, I have the opportunity to take a job. I was at Essence and I was like, Ebro wants me to run his site. I don't think I can do it. She was like, are you dumb? Mm. I was like, huh? She was like, you can do it. You don't have to touch everything every day. You can run Ebro site three days a week. You can run, you can, you have to do Essence every day. So make that your priority. Then under that, you go to the NBA, but you figure it out. Like you don't turn down opportunities because this is for you. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that I could do it, um, that's when I started to do it. Like you don't really think about it. You just do it. You put you it on your to do list. Yep. But try to wake up on time because my student. Chia Peppers, of course, is still <laughs> killing the game. Selected for Diddy's De Leon's 100s list, celebrating musicians, artists, and influencers taking it to the next level, and having a personal dream of hers come true with her e-news debut. Here's a clip of her talking about how she literally tweeted it into existence. I can be a testament. I'm testifying. That when you do put everything you have into it, something good will come from it. Like the universe, God will be like, she, <laughs> she working. Let me, let me help her out real quick. Hey, d- tie this string, put this up there, put them together. <laughs> and then it's going, your opportunity will come. So, um, it's going to kill you. Like it, like don't die because don't. Please don't. Please don't. No. But it's going to take almost like so much determination that people think you're crazy. Like you speak things all the time. Like mm, one time I'm going to be on E. My friend sent me the tweet I said and it was in 2015 and I cried. He wow. sent me the tweet and it was like, God, I can't wait till I'm on E! News. And he sent me the tweet and I cried. I cried for 20 minutes. That's amazing. Because you have to believe it. You have to believe it. You have to speak it. You, I hate when people say, keep your dreams to yourself. What type of dumb stuff is that? <laughs> 
I get it. It's easy to do that because, yeah, okay. If you fail, no one will know you were dreaming for it anyway. Mm -hmm. But if no one knows what you want to do, how can they help you do it? Exactly. If no one knows what you want to do, then no one knows what you want to do. Then Mm -hmm. then the people who might have been looking for an on-air talent or a journalist or somebody that's really dope could have been on your timeline, but you posting pictures of you at the club, which is cool, (laughs) but they think you're a promoter. They don't know that you want to do anything. Mm -hmm. Seriously. No? Okay, never mind. Promoters make money now to me. But... (laughs) You know, they don't know what you want to do. And I and I totally believe that when you speak things over your life, they happen. And it might not happen overnight, but you better speak. Like, you better act like you know that you're worth the opportunities that you want. Thank you for listening to today's podcast, y'all. We're not quite done yet, though. I know each and every one of you has your own transitions you've been through or are currently going through. Sharing is caring, y'all. Hit me up on Twitter at First Year PRJ. Once again, First Year P as in Paul, R as in Ryan, J as in John. Hit me up with your stories dealing with transitions. What did you have to get through? And how'd you get through it? Let me know and make sure to use the hashtag WWYW. Stands for work while you wait. Right? That inner work that all of us have to do during these transitions. That hustling we all have to do during these transitions. Make sure to include that tag. WWYW. You can also drop me a voice memo at firstyearprj at gmail.com. And I'll actually try to add them to the end of the next episode. Either way, though, y'all, let's share. Production and editing on today's podcast was done by myself. You can find me on social media at underscore Alexis Clater on Twitter and Instagram. And to those listening... Old listeners, new listeners, thank y'all so much. This really does mean the world to me that you, you know, take the time to listen to my work or read my work or share my work or subscribe to my work. So I really, really appreciate, um, yeah, I really appreciate the love and I really appreciate the encouragement to keep going. So thank you. Have a dope day. Have a dope week. Until next time.